Greetings, you're listening to podcast number 112 of Blast the Right. I'm your host, Jack Clark. Great to have you on board. Today, you'll hear how extreme right-wing policies of the United States literally cause starvation and death in the third world. And I'll show you the link between this unfortunate situation and two hot-button front-page issues in the U.S., health care and the occupation of Iraq. Warning, this week is an intense podcast. Let's get right into it. The sources you'll hear include an amazing article in the New York Times by Celia W. Duggar, New Internationalist Magazine, the CIA Factbook, CommonDreams.org, Harper's Magazine, and the Associated Press. Imagine you live in Malawi, a landlocked country in Africa. You, like 85% of your fellow Malawi citizens, live in the countryside. You're a farmer. Each successive generation of your family has inherited smaller and smaller individual plots of land. Yours is smaller than your father's was. In order to feed your family, you have to plan every single inch of ground. You can't afford to let any of the land lie fallow, and you certainly can't afford commercial fertilizer. But you're in a catch-22, because without letting the land lie fallow or fertilizing it, The soil becomes depleted, and each year your land has provided less and less food for you and your family. You're falling deeper and deeper into poverty. In fact, over half your countrymen live in dire poverty. Now, what's been your lifeline that's allowed you to survive at all? Your government's program that subsidizes the cost of fertilizer. It's meant the difference between life and death for you and your loved ones. But each year the government program has been shrinking smaller and smaller. Someone just showed you the newspaper from your capital city, Lalongwe. It says this year the program will be cut even more. You can't believe it. You know your own government is in favor of helping you get fertilizer. But from what you hear, the rich people from overseas that give aid to your government, they're the reason. They want to reduce and reduce and eventually stop the fertilizer subsidies completely. You can't believe that the rich people from overseas are going to take away your fertilizer. How will you grow food? How will you eat? Surely, rich people who have been to great universities know better than to take away your fertilizer. But there it is in black and white. Last year you received enough fertilizer and seed to plant just a quarter acre. This year it will be even less. And that's what happens. You and all the farmers you know, in fact, all the farmers in the country, have their fertilizer and seed allotments cut back. You can't grow enough food, and then the floods come, destroying more of your crop. The horror then truly begins. You start to go hungry. There's just no food. You watch your spouse starve to death, strength slowly ebbing away as you both try to survive on pumpkin leaves. You and other mothers and fathers and children. Everyone goes to the door of the local agriculture ministry official begging for food. He tries to help but has far too little for far too many hungry people. Now, snap back into the present listening to Blast the Right. The scenario you just experienced in your imagination was experienced for real by impoverished Malawians in 2001. 
Who do you think caused the reduction or elimination of those fertilizer subsidies? Who else do you think took, in effect, food out of the mouths of hungry people? You know who. Right-wingers. The World Bank and the Western industrialized nations like the United States who control it have for decades told poor countries that if they want aid, they have to adopt so-called free market policies, the type that follow rigid right-wing ideology. In the case of Malawi, that meant cutting back or even eliminating fertilizer subsidies by the government. But sometimes people can be pushed too far. Do you ever wonder, can and do countries like Malawi fight back? Yes, they can and do fight back. The harvest in 2005 was especially bad. Almost 5 million people needed emergency food aid. Malawi had a new president, Bingu Wa Mutarika. He knew that the right-wingers were, among other things, hypocritical. America and Europe heavily subsidized their own farmers. So President Mutarika, quote, decided to follow what the West practiced, not what it preached. Stung by the humiliation of pleading for charity, he led the way to reinstating and deepening fertilizer subsidies despite a skeptical reception from the United States and Britain. Mr. Mutarika declared, As long as I'm president, I don't want to be going to other capitals begging for food. Close quote. So, right-wing policies are rejected. The result? Massive benefit for average flesh-and-blood humans. Heavy fertilizer subsidies were reinstituted along with lesser ones for seed as well. There were good rains. And Malawi farmers enjoyed record-breaking corn harvests, with the 2007 harvest nearly three times that of the 2005 right-wing-induced disaster. What does a bigger crop mean? What does this mean to real live humans? And Alessi Chakaza is an elderly widow. It's her experience that formed the basis for my opening scenario. Her husband died of hunger during the 2001 hungry season, not able to survive on pumpkin leaves. This year, Ms. Jacaza was able to boast that her small piece of land produced two ox carts of corn instead of half a cart. Would that non-right-wing policies have been in effect back in 2001, Ms. Jacaza's husband would still be alive. She wouldn't be a widow today. It's not just her. Quote, Farmers interviewed recently in Malawi's southern and central regions said fertilizer had greatly improved their ability to fill their bellies with the thick cornmeal porridge called Nasima that is Malawi's staff of life. In Malawi itself, the prevalence of acute child hunger has fallen sharply. In October, the United Nations Children Fund sent three tons of powdered milk, stockpiled here to treat severely malnourished children, to Uganda instead. We will not be able to use it, Juan Ortiz Iruri, UNICEF's deputy representative in Malawi, said jubilantly. Close quote. In fact, so much corn was harvested that instead of proffering its begging bowl to the world, Malawi, quote, is instead feeding its hungry neighbors. It is selling more corn to the World Food Program of the United Nations than any other country in Southern Africa and is exporting hundreds of thousands of tons of corn to Zimbabwe. Close quote. Reinstating government subsidies for fertilizer and seed produced beneficial results beyond just increased food production. Food prices fell, wages for farm workers increased, and this isn't just a temporary effect. 
Quote, researchers at Imperial College London and Michigan State University concluded in their preliminary report that a well-run subsidy program in a sensibly managed economy, quote, has the potential to drive growth forward out of the poverty trap in which many Malawians in the Malawian economy are currently caught, close quote. The Malawi government saying, in effect, F you to the World Bank and U.S. right-wing ideologues has started a snowball rolling, quote, the country's successful use of subsidies is contributing to a broader reappraisal of the crucial role of agriculture in alleviating poverty in Africa and the pivotal importance of public investments in the basics of a farm economy, fertilizer, improved seed, farmer education, credit, and agricultural research, close quote. Just what right-wingers vehemently oppose no matter the cost public investment in the people of a nation. Indeed, the U.S. provided no direct aid at all to the Malawi Fertilizer Subsidy Program. Of course not! Government intervention to help people is anathema to Bushy and right-wingers. There is some denial still among right-wingers about what everyone saw with their own eyes in Malawi. World Bank officials have questioned whether Malawi has inflated its 2007 corn production estimates and are critical that the government there hasn't produced a plan to phase out the subsidies. Hungry people are saved from starvation and the bank is still pushing its ideological agenda. This despite the fact that the bank's own internal watchdog has concluded that when fertilizer subsidies are removed, fertilizer prices skyrocket in Africa beyond the means of the farmers to afford them. More denial. Some economists have wondered whether it was more the good rains than the subsidies which led to the bumper crops, but an independent report confirmed that the fertilizer subsidies were the main cause. Jeffrey Sachs is an economist at my alma mater, Columbia University. He's probably the prime campaigner in the Western world for a massive effort to end world poverty. He sums up what happened in Malawi nicely. He said, quote, the donors took away the role of the government and the disasters mounted." Close quote. Could it be put more bluntly? You take away the role of the government and the disasters mount. When we return, I want to paint a broader picture for you of just how true that statement is to give you a solid understanding of just how much havoc right-wing policies cause in the third world. Your one-minute voting report. How's Blast the Right doing in the ratings? In iTunes, the influx of new reviews has slowed down. So if you subscribe through iTunes and haven't yet given Blast the Right a five-star review, please do so. You do it through the iTunes software, not the website. You only have to do it one time. In Podcast Alley, we've slipped to number 11, off the top 10. In Podcast Alley, you have to vote every month, so please give Blast the Right your December vote and put a progressive voice back in the top ten. There are already a couple of right-wing ones there. I know I can count on you. Thanks. First, I want to point out how the New York Times article is misleading in a soft-peddling-the-truth kind of way. The headline reads, 
ending famine simply by ignoring the experts. That makes it sound like there are some professorial types suggesting some policy and a government just ignored them. But as you now know, it's not disinterested experts who forced Malawi to drastically cut its fertilizer subsidies and thus caused a famine. Not experts in anything at all. No, it was ideological fanatics of the right-wing variety who have no expertise in this area, are not experts at anything really, and who simply blindly and unthinkingly prescribe the same failed cure for every problem on earth. Let the so-called free market solve the problem. My other criticism of the article is that it doesn't make clear that the Malawi government was not just ignoring some advice, but was bravely defying those who own and control the world and who had been coercing that impoverished African nation into following right-wing orthodoxy. A casual reader of the New York Times article could read it as a story about well-intentioned policies, cutting fertilizer subsidies, failing, and then other policies, reinstating fertilizer subsidies, succeeding. But you know better than that, certainly if you've been listening to Blast the Right for any length of time. A few weeks ago I gave you my succinct summary of all right-wing endeavor. Everything the right-wing does is designed to accomplish one of two things. Either A, transfer wealth from everyone else to the rich, or B, distract everyone else from the fact that A is occurring. You heard this back then in the context of U.S. domestic policy. This rule applies internationally as well. Think about this in the international arena. Everything the right wing does is designed to accomplish one of two things. Either A, transfer wealth from everyone else to the rich, or B, distract everyone else from the fact that A is occurring. Addressing B first, how does the right wing distract everyone else from the fact that the wealth transfer in A is occurring? by summoning up the bugaboos of communism or drug lords or now terrorists to justify overthrowing governments, supporting dictatorships, and starting wars. I don't deny that the Soviet Union and drug lords and terrorists are and were real threats, albeit to varying degrees. The Soviet Union infinitely greater than the international drug trade and then the war on terrorism. The problem is those dangers are just used as a cover to effectuate the wealth transfer in A. How is that wealth transfer accomplished? You should really go listen or re-listen to Podcast 56. It was entitled, Class Warfare International Style, The Right Wing's Assault Against the World's Poor. In short, there are four methods the West uses to economically exploit the third world. They are, one, Sweetheart contracts between corrupt third world governments and foreign multinationals that allow third world natural resource wealth to be plundered. 2. Unfair conditions of international trade. 3. The making of dubious loans to corrupt third world governments which entrap those nations on a downward spiraling debt treadmill. And 4. The imposition of misery and death inducing conditions upon third world nations as a prerequisite to further assistance. These conditions are the so-called neoliberal, a misnomer, their right wing, the so-called neoliberal structural adjustment programs, which are based on those very free market, free trade theories that have proven so disastrous all over the third world. Malawi was being subjected to method number four, the structural adjustment program's nightmare. Please be aware that the World Bank prefers the term poverty reduction strategy paper, 
since the structural adjustment programs increase, not reduce poverty, the World Bank term is about as dishonest as any right-wing nomenclature. Clear skies initiative, anyone? As I always say, whatever a right-winger says, the exact opposite is true. Essentially, structural adjustment programs require deregulation and the end of any government role in assuring the public welfare. What are some of the elements of a structural adjustment program, or SAP? Cut subsidies for basic goods. Many citizens of third world countries depend on these reduced price goods for survival. Too bad. Cut social spending. For example, health care will become unavailable. So some poor people will die. No big deal. Shrink government. Less monitoring of labor and environmental laws and massive unemployment among former government workers. Privatization. In other words, transferring national assets to private control. That'll mean more reduction in public services and windfall profit opportunities for government cronies. Elimination of tariffs. Domestic producers will no longer be able to compete with multinationals. Most of the first world nations used tariffs during their own formative years to build themselves up economically, but that tool must be denied to the third world. And let's not forget to add, eliminate restrictions on foreign ownership of businesses and even natural resources. In other words, put the entire country up for sale. All in all, a right-winger's economic fantasy. Eliminating fertilizer subsidies is just a basic element of any structural adjustment program. You saw how in Malawi this imposition of right-wing policies led to starvation. The results globally are similarly tragic. The result is simply that of all right-wing economic policy on the international level. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer and suffer and die. Note that the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, and the World Bank, referred to in the following quote, are two international financial institutions which impose the right-wing structural adjustment programs on third world nations. Quoting now, For over 25 years the world has had one answer for countries that find themselves in a financial crisis. Take the IMF policy medicine and get on the debt treadmill that comes with IMF and World Bank loans. This path has worked very well. For big corporations in wealthy countries, which walk into countries through the doors opened by the IMF's policies and walk out with massive profits. But for the people the IMF and World Bank say they're trying to help, the poor, the results have been very different. In fact, downright disastrous. The IMF has tremendous power. It can tell all other creditors to cut a country off if its orders are disobeyed. So it's no surprise that governments comply with its demands. Neither should it be surprising that when a government lays off workers, sells off companies to foreigners, cuts spending on nurses and teachers, cuts the subsidies poor farmers and consumers rely on, privatizes essential services like health care and water provision, and makes credit unavailable to small businesses, in other words, following IMF instructions, the result is deeper poverty, worsening health indicators, growing illiteracy, and an economy reduced to providing raw materials and cheap labor to multinational corporations. Close quote. You saw starvation in Malawi. In Zimbabwe, an SAP forced the government to reduce spending on health care by a third. In just three years, according to UNICEF, twice as many women were dying in childbirth, among other horrors. Structural adjustment programs cause poverty to by some estimates as much as triple in Venezuela, and Hugo Chavez was subsequently elected on an anti-structural adjustment program platform. I could go on and on. 
And just like when Malawi defied right-wing mandates and did the intelligent thing and subsidized fertilizer, its well-being increased, so has been the experience around the world. What more do you need to know than the lament of the former chief economist of the World Bank and 2001 Nobel laureate in economics Joseph Stiglitz about such right-wing SAP policies? Quote, What I saw happening when I started dealing with the IMF was the same battles that I had fought inside the Clinton administration against the Republicans. It was intellectually dishonest and many of the things that they pushed had no research basis to them at all. Their hospital is one where people get sicker. We saw in East Asia, Latin America, Russia, and Africa how they made things worse. Unequivocally, if they had fully followed the IMF advice, the patient would have been much sicker. In East Asia, the country that did not take IMF advice, Malaysia, had the shortest and shallowest downturn and the least legacy of debt. The country that was best in managing the IMF in some way, Korea, recovered the fastest. The countries that took the medicine, Thailand and Indonesia, had the worst performance. Close quote. A hospital where people get sicker. In other words, a right-wing hospital. Any right-wing proposal that purports to solve a social justice problem will inevitably make the problem worse. Speaking of getting sick, I mentioned up front I'd link the Malawi lesson to some hot-button political issues in our country. One would be health care. Do you see the connection with Malawi? Right-wingers said, even though farmers in Malawi can't afford fertilizer, we need to take away the government subsidies. The government shouldn't intervene. The so-called free market, it should be called the corporate market, it will solve the problem. The result? Starvation. And, here in the U.S., tens of millions of Americans can't afford health care insurance. But the right-wingers shout, the government shouldn't intervene. No socialized medicine. The free market and private enterprise will solve the problem. The result? 18,000 Americans die every year because of lack of health care insurance, according to a government advisory body. The other hot-button issue is the occupation of Iraq. What's that got to do with Malawi, you wonder? The same right-wing economic policies. Please go listen to Podcast 59 about the Bremer orders in Iraq issued by Paul Bremer, who ran the government there for us early in the occupation. In shortest form, he issued dozens of rules, legislating by fiat, essentially imposing a pure, radical right-wing, structural adjustment program scenario on the entire Iraqi economy. The right-wingers in the Bush administration saw Iraq as a giant laboratory to prove the wisdom of their right-wing economic theories. Shades of Malawi and imperiling the food supply one of Bremer's anti-government involvement measures would have ended the Iraqi government's food rationing program. It provided the only nutrition that millions of Iraqis could depend on. Fortunately, unlike in Malawi, this eliminate government assistance measure never was implemented, in part because of the insurgency. Right-wing policies, whether in Malawi and Iraq imposed from without, or in the U.S. imposed from within by our very own fellow citizens, never result in anything but increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death. Let's end where we began with the on-the-ground reality in Malawi. It's not a totally happy ending. How about a your feet on the ground in Malawi reality? As reported by Celia W. Duggar in the New York Times and adapted to this podcast format by yours truly. 
Imagine once again you're a poor farmer in Malawi, in the village of Chembe. Last year, 2006, you finally got an adequate fertilizer subsidy and were able to produce enough corn to feed your family and then some. But your country is still poor and the government doesn't have enough money to provide fertilizer to every farmer. There's only enough, in fact, for 19 of your village's 53 families. Who'll get it and who won't? Your government said, this year, you and your fellow villagers would decide who gets the fertilizer. So, you and everyone else in the village have gathered this morning to make that decision. What follows is as recorded in that important newspaper in America, the New York Times. This has been read to you, and you feel it's an accurate representation of what happened. Ladies and gentlemen, should we start with the elderly or the orphans? Asked Samuel Dama, a representative of the Chembe clan. Men lead the assembly, but women sitting on the ground at their feet call out almost all the names of the neediest, gesturing to families rearing children orphaned by AIDS or caring for toothless elders. There are more poor families than there are coupons, so grumbling begins among those who know they'll have to watch over the coming year as their neighbors' fertilized cornfields turn deep green. Sensing the rising resentment, the village chief, Zaudeni Mapila, rises. Barefoot and dressed in dusty jeans and a royal blue jacket, he acts out a silly pantomime of husbands stuffing their pants with corn to sell on the sly for money to get drunk at the beer hall. The women howl with laughter. The tension flees. He closes with a reminder he hopes will dampen any jealousy. I don't want anyone to complain, he says. It's not me who chose, it's you. The women sing back to him in a chorus of acknowledgement, then disperse to their homes and fields. Okay, back once more to your real life, listening to Blast the Right. Isn't it heartbreaking? Only one out of three farmers will get fertilizer subsidies. Not enough money. The shame of it all. After throwing into the garbage where it belongs, the starvation-causing right-wing anti-government fanaticism the U.S. and others sought to impose on them, the people of Malawi still live without adequate resources. The four ways I sketched out earlier, how the West has for centuries, from colonial times to the present, transferred wealth from the Third World to the West, bears a large part of the blame. The government of Malawi fought back in this instance and at least partially won one skirmish. We progressives must support such efforts. Others are fighting back on a larger scale. For example, Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez has led the effort in Latin America to counter the ongoing Western wealth grab, as reported just this week. Quote, Hugo Chavez and six other Latin American leaders are launching a regional development bank Sunday that the Venezuelan leader is touting as South America's answer to U.S.-influenced international lenders. With startup capital expected at up to $7 billion, backers say the Banco del Sur, or Bank of the South, will offer Latin American countries loans with fewer strings attached than those proffered by the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, or the Inter-American Development Bank. Close quote. It's this larger struggle that must above all be joined in one, to bury right-wing policies so that human misery, suffering, pain, and death can be truly reduced, and to institute progressive policies so that human health, prosperity, and freedom can truly reign on the planet Earth. Now, wouldn't that be nice? 
that would be a really nice present to us all this holiday season. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend. Tell ten friends about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at PodcastAlley.com and give Blast the Right a five-star review in the iTunes Music Store. A special shout-out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Why don't you go over to the podcast homepage and subscribe for free, and then you can download and listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. You get to the podcast homepage by typing Blast the Right into Google, and I'm the first result. I'd like to increase the presence of Blast the Right on the Podcast Pickle website. If you know the ins and outs of that website, please drop me a line. Music credits. The break music was L.A. Nightmare by 22 Caliber and Not the One Blues by Burnshee Thornside. We'll close with a little bit of Too Much Bush by Wang Dang Doodle. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Please keep all that great email coming in. My address is rational at roadrunner.com. I know I say this every week. I am catching up, slowly but surely. If you take the trouble to write in to me, I do want to respond. You can also call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also leave a message on Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. Say too much boys for far too long. It's time for a brand new day.